Hello, this is Lisa here speaking. Thank you so much for tuning in to the first episode of Conversations with my father. Now, I would like you to please excuse any background noises. I'm still learning the ropes of this audio editing thing. So if you have any tips and tricks, let me know. I would like to learn from you. I've also included a few seconds sort of behind the scenes setup just to throw in a bit of reality to you, um, just to sort of lighten the mood a little bit. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoy the podcast. Let me know what you think or if you'd like us to talk about something else, um, you know where to reach me and we'll take it from there. Thank you. Happy listening. Hi, Pa. Oh my gosh. You don't need to wear the mask. <laughs> Click on the audio. Okay. This is off to a great start. Okay. Welcome, everybody, to Conversations with My Father. This is our first Hi. episode. Um, you can see there that's my dad um, in his Oval Office back in KK Sabah. Uh, and I'm here in Putrajaya, Kuala Lumpur, on the west side. Um, so the reason why I thought of doing this is because uh, I think my dad has quite a lot of things to say. And I have a lot of questions to ask. And I, I feel like this, whatever conversations we might have might be of interest to the people listening in and we've actually I've actually go ahead and asked of uh, my Instagram friends a few questions on what they would ask you but before we go into that just a little bit of a background um, my dad here his name is VK Liu um, he was I don't know but do you want to give your a short a very short introduction about yourself okay um, yeah VK stands for VK uh, Hence, my full Chinese name is Liu Kui Kiong. But I've been using the name VK since I started my professional service as a lawyer back in the late 80s. And I'll start with that, and people call me VK uh, all the time, even until now, even the, the, the present prime minister uh, used to just call me VK when he was the colleague in the cabinet. So for he uh, took over his. his and Prime Minister of the country. And how do I introduce myself? Okay, I had been a practicing lawyer for a long time, and then I joined politics back in 2006, 2006, and then I became the president of a political party and contested in the general elections, the 12th general election, in fact, that was back in 2008, mm -hmm. in Sandakan, and I won, and I became the deputy minister. Uh, of, of international mm -hmm. trade industry, uh, and then later on, uh, when Najib took over, uh, he took me in as the deputy minister in the prime minister department. <clears throat> and I stood again uh, for election in 2013. I did not make it, and uh, uh, that seat was won by the uh, uh, DAP back in Sadakan. And I recontested. Not in Sandakan, but uh, in Batu Sapi, which is just next to Sandakan, under a uh, different ticket that was under Party Warisan Sabah. And I won, and I became the uh, minister in the Prime Minister Department, where Tun Dr. Mahadil was the 
prime minister, the seventh prime minister after being the prime minister in the 80s until the late 90s for 22 years. So he came back and then he won. And then, of course, uh, due to certain uh, political uh, maneuver, I think that would be a better word, uh, where the personalities uh, in the political arena uh, uh, championed by the, then the, the combat MP uh, plus a few uh, started the Shelton move and then they took over the administration of the government on the 1st of March. But uh, soon enough, uh, they uh, started this uh, MCO, the order where we are not able to move freely as we wish. And hence, uh, Eliza came up with this brilliant idea where we can still communicate with the mm -hmm. other, despite the fact of not being able to 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 be close to each other, not be able to uh, shake hand, uh, not be able to be in close context. I think this is going to be the lifestyles that uh, we're going to have uh, from now on. I think it will take uh, a bit of a time for the MCO to be lifted and uh, a long time uh, for the world uh, to get back to its fits again after this uh, COVID-19. But yeah. I think I've got more than just introducing myself. Yes, actually, but I we sort of expected from you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I thought we I recorded this, you know, because I feel like the questions that I ask you mostly are questions that my friends would ask me to ask you. Um, mm. So I thought it would be quite interesting um, to have this conversation with you. Uh, wanted to be as honest as possible. I know sort of, uh, I guess we can, we'll go into that in our later episodes if we have any. It's sort of like... Our, the dynamic between us growing up, um, I have quite a very uh, different perception of sort of my childhood growing up and then seeing you go into politics and then sort of all the challenges that you faced and how that impacted me and all these things. So I guess that's for later if there's an interest sure. From, sure. from people to hear that. But yeah. I, I guess for now, because before this whole uh, pandemic started, we, you know, there was this huge political crisis that happened yeah. and we both were back home in Sabah. I was, you know, at a, I think we both were at different weddings. I don't think any of us, I don't know, did you see it coming? The whole... <clears throat> did I see it coming? Uh, looking back, I didn't expect the move to be the to be carried out uh, so soon. But uh, the move has always been there, uh, mainly because I think there are certain uh, players in, uh, in the political arena that want to see the end of uh, DAP in power. Mm. And obviously, certain political uh, figures have decided that uh, the time was ripe at that time. I think that was on the 24th of February. Because I remember that that very distinctively, because that was the time that I just got back from uh, UK uh, after my uh, official visit to UK to uh, look into the uh, law, especially on IPCMC. Mm. If you remember what IPCMC yeah. is, and then I was the, the Independence uh, Commission of Police Misconduct thing, which I had been trying to uh, 
bring forward to parliament and then to have it uh, become law then but then uh, it wasn't meant to be but i hope this new government will do that and and if you remember that friday that that friday on the 24 they had the meeting amongst the pakatan harapan's coalition partner namely dap pkr bersatu uh, amana and and then they concluded at the end of the meeting i was told that uh, the meeting didn't go very friendly among the personality mm -hmm. but at the end it was concluded that the tool would be given the opportunity to decide when he wanted to step down i think that yeah. that meeting was more about when he had to pass over the power to Adnan Ibrahim, right? And then uh, uh, they had a big argument about certain uh, issues, and then it was agreed at the end of the meeting that uh, Tun would decide after APEC uh, when to hand over to Adnan Ibrahim, the premierships of the country. And then after that, uh, I was told that the Sheraton move started by Asmin, and then uh, and, and it was then thrown uh, to the uh, media and as well to the public that uh, there would be a big gathering at the Sheraton Hotel. Yeah. Seeing that the, the Sheraton move come from there, and it was in, in Sheraton PJ, and they wanted to have a meeting and then telling everyone that they already had these certain numbers of MP, right, to form a new government. And that MP also came from uh, came from Abno and also uh, PASS and GPS. So they said they had about 130 MP then. In our parliament, we have 222 MPs. So they need to have 112 yeah. and above uh, to form a government. So they said that they have 130. So by, the, by Sunday, Evening, the, the, the rumors were sorry arrived that they are saying that even Warisan and Peace were all at the Sheraton Hotel and they're giving support to the new government and then they said that the tune would be there, blah, 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 blah. But this is all the kind of, uh, you know, camouflage being yeah. played by those personalities just to confuse the people and then give the impressions that they already have the numbers. Subsequently, it, uh, it became known that uh, of course Warisan MP none of us had attended. I was then in Sandakan after coming back uh, from UK I went to Sandakan because of the wedding of my then the private secretary and and then and, uh, attended that and it was then during the weekend from my perspective I, I give you my experience because uh, at that time I received calls from uh, certain parties uh, to ask me to sign the uh, statutory declaration to say that they want to uh, to, to, to ask me to sign the support for yeah. this person, that person to be the Prime Minister. Uh, and it went over for almost uh, the weekend. By the time I was asked to leave Sandakan for KL, that was already uh, Monday. Yeah, Monday, Monday is actually the 24th. So I just had a look at the calendar. Okay. Then so the I weekend arrived, was, yeah. The weekend was on the 22nd. Yeah. Yeah, roughly around that time. Uh, so what happened was that uh, uh, the the prime minister then thought that he has already lost the command of the majority. So Tun uh, decided to resign as the 
uh, Prime Minister then and they went to see Tuanku. Tuanku agreed to accept it and then subsequently appointed him as the uh, interim Prime Minister, if you remember that episode. Mm, right? yeah. that, was, that was the Monday and then uh, when he formed the, uh, uh, what was that, uh, the, the, when he was the uh, interim Prime Minister, then, then all this move came back and said that they all wanted him to, to remain as a Prime Minister, they all for the support. Even at that moment, I think we had about 224 20, uh, MPs saying that they would support Tun to continue as the, uh, as the, as the Prime, Minister. Uh, Prime Minister. And then, uh, of course, Tun then was talking about forming a unity government, uh, whereby the cabinet minister would not necessarily come from the political party. So there's no more political party kind of things. Uh, it's, it's a government that will focus on uh, on the country and then to ensure that the economics of the country will work very well and then this he will pick only a few uh, capable people that he think can work in the government to be in the in the government so that kind of talks actually had frightened some of the uh, MPs in the DAP and also probably uh, PKR plus uh, mm. Amana and even Basatu I think so they 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 Kind of have this uh, conflicting uh, sports for tune, and then they divert from uh, supporting ideas to give tune the support by throwing their support back to Adnan to become the next prime minister. So by that time, I think there was this uh, uh, issue as to who gets the majority supports of the MPs. Hence, at that time, Tuanku. Uh, Agong decided to call all the MPs, if you remember, to go to Istana uh, to sign the statutory declarations, which I did. I went and then I signed, and then of course uh, it was a one to one kind of a meeting with Tuanku, plus uh, yeah. Tuanku uh, officers and all that there. And then uh, Tuanku just uh, uh, stood there at that time when they went in, and then of course uh, the usual thing, we shook hands, and then we were allowed to do that at that time. And then he asked me to sign and then name the person that wanted to support as the uh, Prime Minister. Hi, Moi. <laughs> uh, yeah, my sister just walked in. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm just asking about the narrative. So I have to get, give you the narrative. Yeah, right? yeah, fair. Otherwise, uh, the, the younger generation will think that uh, they, there is another agenda behind the whole thing. But this is, mm. this is how I can narrate to you all about what happened because it's a very personal experience for me. So at that time, at that time, I think it was around uh, 20, probably around 28, that, that was the Friday, right, if you remember, because 29 yeah. was the Saturday. Yeah. So 28, by the time the Agong has completed the interview with all the MPs, uh, he, he, uh, he concluded that at that time, in his view, that Tamsin Mohidin had the majority, which if you think back, uh, that was right because uh, we have seen that uh, the, uh, the, the uh, diversions from PKR and the AP, Prasamana, in not supporting Tun. They did not support Tun, they supported Anwar. So at that time, Anwar only got around 92, I believe, when they mm -hmm. went to Tunku. And then uh, uh, Tanshir Mohidin got about 98. 
right? 98, 92, 98. So you have 92, 98, 10, that's 190. So the rest, 232 minus 190 goes to Tun. Yeah. So obviously at that moment, uh, Tunku said that Tanshi Mugitin had the majority support. Not necessarily having to go through the 111 uh, threshold, right? But it's just that uh, <coughs> majority support of all the 222 MPs. Uh, Tanshi Mugitin got the support from Abno, if you remember. Yeah. Uh, from Tatu, from PAS, from GPS, uh, from from uh, a few from PKR. Remember, Asmin left with eleven of them. Yeah. Uh, so this so he probably had had to remember. Then he was appointed as the uh, <laughs> prime minister. That's how how it turned out to be. So looking back, I think uh, uh, PKR and uh, DAP and Amna have a lot to be blamed for this game. If they had, they had. The continued support done on that day when they went to Istana. Remember, they were at the topless bar, yes. and then you know, wearing at the member public and things like that. At that time, they did not support Tun. If they had stuck with the Tun, we will still be there in the government. So I guess mm -hmm. uh, we decided that uh, Adnan can become the PM. Numula partner, despite the call being saying that the PM8 is not Ibrahim, but it turned out to be Tanshim reading. Yeah. Yeah. It's whatever, but the politics, as you can say, is, is not uh, constant, you see. It is uh, very uh, volatile. It's always uh, like, uh, how do you describe it? It's, it's very active. It is very full of surprises. Yeah, and, and then uh, it walked, and then Winston Churchill did say once that uh, you know, one week is a long time in politics. So if you can survive politics for a week, uh, you know, especially when you have a crisis, then uh, uh, you know, then you become a strong uh, person. And you have things uh, in the British politics like uh, Margaret Thatcher's, how he actually uh, fought all these uh, Tories uh, to become the Iron Lady, and then subsequently you have John Majors. And, and then uh, now Boris Johnson, before he came out and then he has to fought, who was that? He defeated in the conservative? Boris Johnson, uh, testing you, you were in UK. Theresa May. Yes, you see, how Theresa May uh, had, had to fight so hard uh, to stay afloat in the British politics, but still uh, they kick her out. So that's, that's politics. Mm, I know, I mean, I, I have seen enough to uh, to understand the volatility of yeah, but, politics. Uh, you, they, they, I can tell you this is not, not going to be the end of it. You will continue to see it evolving, evolving uh, through your the generations to come. Yeah. So it is very important that the young people like you to continue to be interested in politics, to get involved yeah. in politics if you can. You guys are the young, able, young and able, but the most important thing in politics, you must be willing. So I always say that uh, it's not about you become a winnable candidate. To become a politician, you must be willing and able. There are so many people so willing to become a politician, right? Yeah. But are they able, you see? So there are so many people that are able to become a politician, but mm -hmm. are they willing? So they're not willing. So you have to have these two factors. That's when you are willing, 
to be a politician and then you're able. So that are very important. Yeah. Okay, that's a uh, politician 101. I guess that brings me to my next question, which was asked by uh, one of my friends, uh, Johnson. He asked uh, how to learn to not please everyone as a politician. I guess now with social media and all these things, you go online and, uh, you know, I click through your comments and all these things. And while most of them are your supporters, you still, you still get one or two that are, a bit more critical. Um, so how, how do you deal with that? And I'm pretty sure like in the media as well, there's a lot of yeah. uh, criticism. That's a, and that's a of a politician in a political life. You can't possibly get 100% support from the people. That is almost impossible. If that happened, it would be like living in the utopia, right? Mm. Uh, where, uh, you know, it's, it's heaven that uh, you, you get this 100% support, which is impossible. Even in North Korea, a country that is, you know, practicing that kind of uh, uh, regime, but uh, where you get the government to say that 100% North Korean supporting this fellow, mm -hmm. uh, North Korean uh, as the president, but that's not true. And there's no such thing as 100% uh, support in a political uh, life. So I take it uh, with uh, open heart and open mind when people criticize and then uh, I try to look at it whether the criticism is constructive and then whether it's just a criticism to belittle you. So once you can uh, identify that, so those who want to belittle you, let it be. Okay, because uh, at the end of the day, uh, the judgment is from the people, not only from that one particular person. So in an election, you need the support of a majority of the people. Let's say if you have 13, 2,000 voters, which is uh, what I have in Matusapi, 32,000 plus and minus uh, voters. Mm -hmm. So uh, roughly in an election like this, you normally get about 70% turnout. So you're looking at 21,000 people coming out to vote. So in the last election, I got a majority of 6,000, right? Out of these uh, 20,000 people, meaning to say what? So there's still about 10,000 plus people who are not supporting me, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's the fact of life. You cannot possibly get uh, uh, a, a landslide. Landslide also, you cannot possibly get 22,000 of the 70% that people come up to what to give you all the support. Definitely there will be, you know, a percentage of people that will not support you. And that is, that is a fact of life. You go into America, you see Trump, right? He claimed to be the most popular president in America, but that is from his perspective. And he's the most uh, uh, what is it, uh, productive, the, the president that has delivered and that he has done uh, better than Obama and that sort of thing. You see, sometimes once you listen to a uh, speech like this kind of politician, you just want to laugh. <laughs> but then uh, that is Trump. And that is how he carried himself as a, as a president of America, as a politician. So it doesn't really bother bother me at all. We bound to have criticism in all, all, all things that we do. So I think uh, you all have to accept the facts that, uh, you know, the conversation that we are doing now also, I think we're bound to have people probably giving yeah. us a very critical view. I think nobody will say, oh, I'm this daughter and uh, father, what are they up to, you know, blah, 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 blah. But then 
Are you going to be bothered with that and then stop doing this immediately? Of course not, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. But oh, we'll you, see. You. <laughs> I don't really have that much of a thick skin. That as well, me. you have. You will inherit from me, don't worry. He has already <coughs> inherited the, the thick skinness in me. So, nothing to worry. I know that, uh, uh, you know, we in the families, uh, we can. Uh, we stand all this uh, criticism together. We know that uh, what criticisms are really uh, bad and what to us, we always look at, okay, they want to ask us to improve ourselves. So let's see whether we can improve ourselves. Sometimes uh, when I go out, uh, people say, hey, why is he not smiling? Why is he not uh, so moody and things like that? Uh, so as you as you go along, you, 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 you carry yourself and then you pandai lah, kan? Uh, is is sometimes a politician is also acting but then I mean yeah <laughs> but at the end the people will judge you right the people will judge yeah, you. That's they can true. see whether you are sincere or you are not sincere they can see from from the way you speak the way you talk uh, the way you carry yourself uh, the way you, uh, you you make a statement just like the health minister, what did he say yeah. today uh, with uh, Jahid? He said that he has spoken to the WHO and he has spoken to 500 negara. And that he got it wrong. He doesn't even know how many countries are there in this world. But obviously, uh. can be 400. So this kind of politician, it's all kind of, uh, you know, make you want to really I think uh, not strangle, but uh, laugh and laugh and laugh. Like, I think that's the best medicine. Now you just laugh at this time of uh, MCO. I think we look at him and then just laugh. Like, then he also be talking about drinking a lot of warm water and then say you can uh, be cure of this uh, COVID nineteen kind of thing. So that's just such a joke, maybe. Maybe we have a break. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is your much needed break from the podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed the conversation so far. I know my dad has a lot to say, but I hope his uh, retell of the whole political crisis gave you a little bit of insight and context to the whole situation as well. Now, the rest of the podcast is going to be very directed uh, within the political space. Uh, so do stay, do stay on if you are interested to hear a little bit more about what it means to be a politician. Okay, great. Thank you all for tuning in up until this point. Really appreciate your support. And yeah, let us know what you think. You know where to drop your comments. And yeah, let's go back to the podcast. Okay, so um, I guess a few of the questions are about like politicians in general. So I have one coming from a friend, Zaf, Zafira. Uh, she asks, um, does any politician actually care about the people and improving the community's um, situation and improving the community, their community? So is it, I don't know, your experience working with different politicians throughout the past 10, 12 years, like are there any genuine politicians that are there because they want to help or like they start off with that intention but then you know um, does it change as they rise up to power do you find yourself sort of going through that same 
I think uh, all politicians, when they started, uh, they, especially when they got elected, right? Then it is like a duty for them to go back to their constituency uh, to serve the people. And I think the question of how best that person has helped the people is a very subjective question because, uh, uh, let's say in a constituency like Batusapi, I have about 300,000 people. Yeah. Okay, so of which 33,000, about 10% of them are voters. So at this moment, uh, during this uh, crisis of this uh, COVID-19, I have given up on my record uh, about 4,497 uh, uh, packages that uh, is valued easily at about 100 ringgit per bungkus because I, I give them uh, 10 kilograms of uh, uh, rice. Uh, and then uh, sardines, nagimi, gulag, uh, and then garam, plus other small multi of all together about 10 items. So the minyak also will be about three packages, gulag about three packages. So total is about 100 ringgit. So, so, but then I still have these people coming and say that I haven't got it. And then there are people also say, hey, why only you give to them and not to me? And then why give to this uh, illegal immigrant? And then why not to your voters? And then uh, all these kind of very uh, issues, technicals that uh, that are quite uh, how do you describe it? Uh, quite quite not not easy to handle. So you can see that uh, uh, people who are not getting what you are giving or what you're serving, so they will be very critical of you. Mm -hmm. So people that don't see you in the kawasan, they will say, hey, Kaudimana, where are you? How come I never see you? Because you never come and see me. I was in the kawasan, so how can we be, uh, you know, uh, meeting all the times at the same time, at the same place, so they expect you to be in the kawasan, uh, you know, 24-7 kind of thing, which is not possible, especially for MPs who have, being appointed as minister or deputy minister, so they will have to carry out the jobs in the uh, government yeah. and then carry out the various functions and activities in the government. And then uh, when I was the minister in the prime minister department, I was the uh, you know minister of law for the entire country. So I have to go to the entire country, not just to my kawasan. But these are the things that uh, uh, not easy for people to understand. And then when you are appearing in the national uh, TVs, then of course they'll be happy to see you to set up uh, your certificate. And then the, the question about whether they should actually serve the constituents uh, fully is also not necessarily effective of certain politicians, right? Because uh, let me give you an example. Uh, I was talking to the late uh, Kapal Singh, who was the uh, MP for Jerutong for many, many, many years. Mm. Plus people like uh, MP Lim Guan, Lim Kitsiang. So they have been MP from one press to the other press, other press and things like that, you see. So they are telling me that, uh, you know, uh, the constituency has uh, Majis Pemandaran, right? They have a municipal council yeah. to, to, to run the constituency anyway. So uh, the MPs is only there uh, to 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 assist the 
problems that the constituent face, but issues such as uh, long kang parit, the grass are not cut, and then uh, uh, the press is dirty for a dengue or whatever. These are the jobs of the Madis uh, Pemadaran uh, Municipal Council. And then uh, to ensure that they keep the strict rains, and to ensure that the people living uh, in, in the in the good conditions. These are the, the work of the MPA, MP, Bantis Pemandaran, or the government, the local authority. So the MP role, of course, uh, is to, to highlight the issues and then let the government know. So depending uh, if you are the opposition or the government, if you're the government MP, so the likelihood that if you don't become a government uh, minister or deputy minister, or you don't hold government job, then you, what we call, you become a uh, just a government MP. So in the day one, you will become the, uh, you know, we call the backbencher, right? Yeah. So if you're the government MP, you don't hold any uh, ministerial post, then you'll be known as backbencher. So those who have all these uh, ministerial posts like me, I would, I would then known as the front bencher. Front bencher are the one that uh, answer questions in the house. Like we are the one who set the direction of the government, we set the policy. Yeah. When people ask uh, the the MPRs, including the opposition, then we have to answer. So whatever answer we give will be the stand of the government. Of course, there's some MP making all kind of a stupid statement sometimes, uh, so uh, we have to make corrective statement. Yeah. No, I guess I guess what what Zaf wanted to know is like I guess it's a bit hard since the political crisis to really to really feel that uh, the politicians how, are there how, how, to how help what how to describe whether a person is is not genuine uh, a politician is not genuine because all politicians is there elected by the people and they just serve the people for the people you know by the people in the sort of thing genuinity it, it, i think you know if i serve you and i give what you require of me and i said i have you to to uh, access uh, government uh, uh, privileges, let's say, for you to get some form of a government support, right? Mm -hmm. And then some form of, a, let's say, the welfare, and then some of the bantuan and that sort of thing. When I help you, you probably will say, oh, ini MP bagus, ini boleh tahan. Uh, so he's very genuine because he helped me. And then, uh, but other people who did not get the help from me because uh, they did not meet me, they did not have the opportunity to see me, and then they did not know how to contact me, and then uh, and that sort of thing, uh, they will say that uh, this this MP is not genuine. So it's, it's very subjective really, if you really ask me. I have as many people as I can, but still there, there are still 10 other people who will be saying things that, you know, you are not good enough, and I think uh, we don't, don't like you here because uh, think uh, that you have done or you have said because these are the people some of them can be very critical of yeah. anyone anyway mm -hmm. so to me it's a, it's a it's a fact of life yeah i guess i guess i think it's safe to say that majority politicians do start out with good intentions in their heart la. i mean i mean there's sometimes a politician that they they go in there. They have a course. They they have a calling. Let's say uh, you know at a time when Tunku Abdul Rahman, mm -hmm. our first prime uh, uh, when he came in, uh, you know there was this uh, calling 
adopted the agenda uh, to get up from the uh, British and then to gain independence. So he got us out and then we became independent and, and then uh, our country was formed. So to that expect, he was genuine. And then of course, if you look at people like Muhammad Gandhi uh, in India, he also led the movement uh, whereby he led the India, you know, to a move to get up from the British that had been there for 200 years, just like the British has been with us in, in Malaysia for almost uh, 200 years. So these are the politicians that, I mean, uh, when you look back, they will be uh, uh, genuine in their cause. But now if you look at people like uh, uh, Trump, how do you describe him? But there are people who support him and will say that he's a very genuine uh, politician because he's helping out the American. But of course, the other yeah. half of the people may not like him. Okay? And, then, and then you have, uh, you know, your Bojo, Boris Johnson, and then Theresa May. How do you describe them? Are they not genuine in wanting to, to get British out of the European Union? But of course, uh, you have other section of the population who are not necessarily supportive of uh, the Brexit thing. Uh, so the, this question of whether this politician is genuine in their cause is only depend very much whether that person who make that statement is supportive of that politician movement. Mm. Right? If so, it's very supportive, then he say it's genuine. If it's not supportive, I will say all kinds of things about him. Really, yeah. really very subjective and it's really down to the people, I guess that vote for you. Uh, mm. There is one other question. Um, I guess we can end with this because we started off talking about the political crisis. Uh, there was one question. Okay, so one from uh, a good friend of mine, Maxine. Uh, she asked, um, how do you feel after being involuntarily removed as a minister? Removed? Well, sort of. I mean, the moment uh, Tun M resigned, you basically lost your job. I was, re I was aware of all the things that you were working towards. Um, Decriminalising uh, suicide was one big thing that sort of I was very supportive of. And then you had your, uh, your independent police commission. And then the Anti-Stalking uh, Act, Sexual Harassment Act that I know you were working towards as well. I know there's... <laughs> and then the constitutional amendment. Yeah, so I got a few things done, right? I know there were, and you had a lot of things in the pipeline as well. So, like, how did it feel for you to have? Well, let, let's look at the achievement first, right? The, the first thing, first that I had, I think, done that had changed the political landscape of the country is to allow the 18 years old to vote. Yeah. Right. So in the next uh, GE. All the 18 years old and above, they will be able to vote. And then at the same time, they also can become candidates. Meaning to say that uh, if the political party decides to appoint, let's say, uh, Leslie, your brother who is 18 years old, mm -hmm. uh, to become a candidate yeah. for the political party. And then let's say that he, he becomes the candidate and then uh, it goes campaign and then the people like him. And then what him to become the MP? or let's say uh, KK, Kota Kinabalu. And then uh, after he became the MPs and then the new government said, oh, this guy is capable. Maybe he should become the minister. So you probably have an 18 years old minister. 
So that kind of possibility. You yeah, know? yeah, it is a possibility. Yeah, there's a possibility. So at least I, I have done that, and then also I have uh, met the uh, constitutional amendment uh, to make Sabah, Sarawak, and that uh, uh, Peninsular Malaysia as the equal partner, and then where we have all the equal status and that as a territory. And a few constitutional amendments, uh, that's the two. And then, uh, of course, uh, in Sabah, we also have added another 13 more seats to the state assembly. Mm. At this moment, we have 60, we added another 13. And uh, that was, of course, uh, been done by the previous, previous government. But when I came in, I had to get the consent of the Prime Minister then to bring the paper to the House, which I did. Because like, nobody is uh, passionate about it, it will never be done. Because yeah. the other thing, the most important is the Malaysian agreement, and this is three by me. We set up the, uh, you know, the Atan Kuasa Khas cabinet chaired by the Prime Minister, and also, uh, you know, uh, in the presence of the Chief Minister from Sabah and Sarawak, plus all the hiring things, uh, officers, uh, cabinet minister, and then uh, the Attorney General of the country, together with the State Attorney General of Sabah and Sarawak. So all the things they dealing with all these uh, issues in the Malaysian agreement. In fact, we have uh, discovered we have 22 issues, 21, but I have another one, 22, 21, okay? Yeah. Uh, issues where we uh, decide these are the 21 issues that we needed to resolve. And then out of that, we resolve 17 issues out of the 21. So only four issues that are not uh, uh, still in the progress, like, you know, and I thought it would be resolved by this year, but uh, now that I'm out, so if you ask me, I kind of take it with a pinch of salt like, because I know that the job is not permanent. Mm. I have gone through it. I have been the, the deputy minister, and this is like my third term, despite the fact that I have not won the, the second term. I won the yeah. first term, second term, and this is my third term. And this is, you know, you come and go, you come and go, politician, minister. Uh, except if you are the common civil servant, you remain there. And this yeah. has been the concept of our uh, democracy in the country for a long time since independent. So I kind of disappointed that I could not carry out the reform that I had said. But I had done what I could in that shortest uh, uh, year, about yeah. one and a half years. And I thought that was something that's achievement in itself. And I'm quite proud. I'm quite proud of that. And I believe that uh, I will be back. Good. I, I mean, look, I don't know how I feel about that, but I. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't. I feel like since I've matured a little bit since your last time in politics, um, I, I've sort of seen a lot like the work that goes into it, uh, you know, the team working hard. And, um, yeah, I know you working really hard as well. Uh, somehow when I took up the job, I, I knew that I had to work very hard because I knew somehow that uh, it may not last very long, see? Mm, okay. Uh, because, uh, you know, the volatility of, of the uh, political scenario in the country is very unpredictable. Even now, uh, whoever is sitting there as the minister of the new government in the Perikatan National 
GPS government, right? I don't mm-hmm. think they, they can sit there comfortably. I think it's a, a matter of time they will be kicked out as well. So this is something that is not quite healthy, politically speaking, for the country because it, it, it makes the government not stable. We need yeah. a very stable, strong government for that to get the investor to come and, and invest. Uh, that's what when Tun was the prime minister for 22 years during the 80s until 2003, I think, and then he had uh, done quite well. Where the country has achieved tremendously, you see. Yeah. If you ask me, I feel very proud to even walk next to him uh, here, or even especially in overseas, because the overseas leader, the foreign leader, will tabi him and then salute him, and then will queue up wanting to just have a chat with him or simply just want to, to hold his hand because this guy is an amazing guy at this age, right? That he can yeah. still, uh, uh, you know, govern the country quite well, but it's just too bad that, uh, you know, what happened in the uh, lip month in February was something that I think he did not anticipate it to happen so quickly. But then in politics, I guess you have to do something that don't people under, other people don't expect you to do, you see? I guess mm-hmm. uh, whoever uh, started to move must probably congratulate themselves for being such, uh, you know, being so successful in overthrowing uh, this government. Yeah, I mean that, that doesn't that, that doesn't stop them from being one front at all. So, alright, that is true. Well, I guess it gives the people a little bit more hope that this that you know there can still be change. I guess we have to wait until Parliament resumes, whenever that is going to be, lah. It's uh, going to be on the eighteenth of May. Yeah, but it's just for school. one day. So, like, what's what's going to happen after that? Well, as I said, you know. Uh, you know, one day a lot of things can happen. It happened in February, and, and and if it can last for one week, you're very lucky already. So in February, it did not last for one week, it lasts for about five days, and then you have a new government. Uh, so Winston Churchill was quite right. You know, one week is a long time in politics. If it, you last for more than one week, I think uh, you can call yourself a hero, <laughs> a survivor. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite, I mean, it's not an easy job, la, politics, especially in this country where, you know, people are a bit more critical, a bit more vocal with their opinions, especially online. It's not quite, I mean... Yeah, but, uh, having having looked at uh, Tung's uh, plan to have a unity government, and plus uh, what I have gone through as the MP, as well as the minister, I think uh, they is a rational behind it. I mm. think it is very important for those who are in the government, holding the government portfolios, not necessarily have to be the uh, members of parliament. But our system in, in Malaysia, we, we follow it from the British, you know, where uh, once you're elected as an MP and then the, your political party and the leader and then all these MPs have, have won and then the, all this group MP, uh, you know, will become my uh, choice of minister. Yeah. Okay. But if you look at America, they don't have that. 
the president will uh, win, and then they have a lot of congressmen, congresswomen, that sort of thing. But they're not necessarily become the secretary of state or whatever. Because they, they, they will pick them from from the uh, general the public, and then they have gone through the Senate hearing and that sort of things, and then to pick them. And then the, I think the same system also being applying in uh, Japan, uh, Indonesia, and and Philippines. So the MPs, their jobs are mainly to deal with the rakyat, the constituency, which I think is quite good. Also, so they don't get, you know, uh, diverted from their jobs and then uh, they can fully focus. So like me being the this, uh, I have to be in Putrajaya, mm. if you remember, Monday to Friday. And then sometimes, even on Thursday, I will have to rush off and quickly go back to Matusapi because I have problems uh, to, to run for the weekend. And then uh, that will take another four, three or four days of my time in that week. There are many other things also uh, I have to do, like certain time during the weekend in uh, KL, I have to attend, uh, you know, various functions, yeah, uh, yeah. conferences, forums, and things like that. And then I cannot be in uh, my constituency all at the same time. So sometimes there are very important events I will have in my constituency that I have to be there. But I cannot be there because I have already committed myself in KL or something, or in Penang or in other places. Or sometimes, as a foreign minister, I also have to go out of the country to represent the country in international forums, international yeah. talks, and all that. So these are the things that can uh, can make that uh, a particular MP unpopular in the uh, constituency because the constituent will say that ah, if I have a minister, they will come back. My MP, they will come back to the constituency because that 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 MP uh, would be either in Putrajaya a lot of time or in overseas. Yeah, I guess that's what Tan Sri Muhyiddin wanted to do when he had the opportunity to select his own cabinet. Didn't he? He wanted to establish a technocratic cabinet, but then I guess his execution was a bit. What well, I felt it was a bit poor. I guess I know he appointed a a bank CEO as MOF Minister of Finance, but you know that particular person has been linked to a lot of. Yeah. Sort of because that is a problem with with our system. Our system is not as. Uh, as how do you say apparent as those in America? If we have followed the American system, the new guys in the MOF will have to go through the Senate hearing. But we don't have that system here. So that was quite an exception for uh, Tanshit Mohidin to appoint a non politicians to be a Minister of Finance. So he will have to go to the House uh, one day during the parliamentary sittings uh, to present the finance bill. So after that, he will have to be questioned by us. So you guys, yeah, you will ask the questions that all the people yeah, I think he, will, he is not a politician. I think you will have a hard, hard time, actually. Well, and it's, then, yeah. You know, you think how, how the MPs shout at each other and scream at each other. So you can see that happening in this uh, session as well. Uh, I think there'll be more people tuning into the parliamentary sessions now. Yeah, I hope I hope we have a live telecast because I don't think the uh, government is going to allow people to go in there because of the NGO and this COVID-19. Yeah, you know? yeah. 
that's so that'd be interesting they will work out uh, to allow like what we are doing now right? yeah i mean i thought i thought you were working towards an e-parliament system or something like that anyways that's right that's right that's right which is uh, not possible now because uh, we have a temporary uh, hold in the government and now the new guys who are in charge of parliament we have to either continue with what we had decided last time or no he will decide normally uh, is if you are the minister although you also have a parliament that has been the practice for the last uh, two governments three governments okay well thanks on that note i think i don't know i think it's a bit of a very long discussion um we can always continue this next week uh sure. this i think there's still quite a lot to unpack um or rather to talk about uh but i think it's a good a good first episode uh, if you're listening uh hope you enjoyed this and if you want to listen more just drop me a, a dm or a message you know how to contact me uh on facebook and instagram or you can message my dad uh, he's pretty active on social media these days uh, but you still do your facebook live chat yeah i uh, woke up today because uh, sunday like i thought like it's chance everybody <laughs> yeah yeah no but you still do it quite regularly right Are you, you planning to do it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can go over there and ask him a bit more of questions that you want to ask. So there you go. The end of our very first episode of conversations with my father. I hope he was able to give you a little bit of an inside scoop of what it's like to be a politician in Malaysia, and I hope he answered uh, some of your questions there, uh, Maxine Johnson. I know it's he rambles on a little bit but I hope in some way he managed to give you a satisfactory answer. If not, shoot me another question and I'll ask him again the next time round. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to thank all our frontliners and everyone who's risking their lives to combat this disease and everyone please stay at home seriously. Let's flatten this curve. I'm dying to go out. So please uh stay safe, stay clean and take care everybody. Hope to catch you all soon. Bye.